0: We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers. Now, sadly, because Willow is currently on set with the movie and Matai is enjoying the wonderful weather in sunny California in San Diego, Krebs and I decided we would offer you a wonderful show this evening. Now, neither of us will be, t- well, I'll sort of be talking, but the two of us won't be. Today's show will be a panel from FanX that I participated on with Larry Correa and several other amazing authors, and the panel is about flaws in your characters, or flawed characters. This is a great panel, and I hope that despite the fact that it's only me and not the rest of our team, you will enjoy the fantastic conversation we had regarding this subject.
1: Hey, guys! Hi! Hi. Hey, welcome out to our panel. Um, I am the moderator, I just found out. Um, <laughs> and I literally am reading this off the thing, because I have no preparation whatsoever. So, our panel today is Building Perfect Collage Characters in Writing, Gaming, World Building, and Beyond. So, we're going to go ahead and get started down again. we're going to have this panel of experts introduce themselves to you guys. We'll start down here with Dave Butler. I'm Dave Butler. I have written some books. They are
2: mostly science fiction and fantasy. I'm also an editor at Bane. Uh, I guess that's it.
1: He is a humble man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Mark Hansen. I've written uh, some fantasy books and uh, some RPG manuals. And uh, we're down in
0: D217 Alright, I'm Daniel Swenson, uh, the author of the Fate of Dragon series, as well as one of the hosts of Dungeon Crawler's Radio. I'm
4: Jay Boyce, I write little RPG books, so it's fantasy
5: with video really game elements and RPG game and stuff, so. Uh, I'm Nathan Chimney, my resume doesn't sound nearly as good as these people, but I do talk a good game.
1: Larry <laughs> <laughs> uh, Correa. Uh, I'm a fairly successful novelist, uh, bestseller for $25. Think, think of dollars $25. Think of me as like Brandon Sanderson of $46 million less dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, guys, our, our topic today, we're going to talk about the character building. And uh, we're actually coming at this from uh, gaming and world building and writing. And seems like most people up here have a pretty diverse background and have done a lot of different things. So uh, I'm going to just see how we're going to take this discussion by a show of hands for so you guys the audience. who in here is an aspiring author or creator? Oh, wow. oh yeah. So clearly, uh, for those of you sitting in the front row, you are going to see that about 75% of the audience appears to be aspiring authors, creators. I'm assuming GMs, you got some GMs. Game writers, you got some game writers in here? OK, right. we've well, we got some creative types. So we're going to take this in the direction of practicality nuts and bolts to do a lot of panels tend to get, like, very artistic. What does a character mean? All right, you guys don't know about character. This is not an English class. No number four <laughs> professors. All right. So let's talk about building good characters, good quality characters. I'm going to throw this out to the panel, and I want you guys to tell me your process of when you're coming up with good quality character, where do you start? What is the first stage in uh, making up good characters? And if you're talking about gaming, say gaming, if you're talking about books, you know, let these guys know what, what, what angle you're coming down from. So uh, we don't even start on this. Whoever wants to jump in first, what's your, what's your process? What's your methodology?
4: I'll go. I a lot of times start with the class of the character. Um, I like to know what their color, play style and skill set is going to look, and who might have chosen that kind of skill set. Uh, I do a lot of crowdsourcing with my bands just to see uh, what they would pick if they were presented options, and it's really interesting to see that. Um, so i
5: like to start with, okay, what are they capable of, and then why would they have gone down that path? Because everyone chooses a so different path. Uh, I, when I'm, I do picture writing, um, and largely the, the main characters will come as part of the whole idea. I mean, if, you, if you're saying, you know, it's a bounty hunter going after a guy in the Old West, you know, and say, well, now, who do I need as a bounty hunter? Do I need uh, a princess, or do I, need? no, I need a bounty hunter you know, as part of the story of the premise. But uh, for for other for that character and for the characters, you say, okay, who is this going to be hard for? Because you don't want Bambi versus Godzilla. You you don't want it. a cakewalk. So you say, okay, is the situation hard enough for this character, or do I need to make the character weaker and more flawed so that it's going to be an actual, you know, more than a five-paragraph story? Yeah,
0: I mean, for me, when I, I mean, kind of like when I'm writing, I kind of do the class thing, like, okay, I need a hacker. What is this guy like? Um, is he kind of weird? Does he have an addiction? So this is even fiction you a Like character like
1: class? Yeah. Yeah, because,
0: uh, so when I was writing my series, I have a, a guy in there, Lenny, and he was my hacker. He has a serious mountain View addiction. He has a girlfriend, but, you know, no one talks about her, and stuff like that. And you just kind of build up those things. You know? She real. She is real, I actually need to find that out. But anyway, sure she is.
4: Yeah. Sure she is. But he does happen to have
0: a Batman talent that he always wears. So it's these weird, obnoxious type of things. And, you know, the main characters are like, I need to shut up, I don't care about D&D. Let's just deal with the situation. So I build in those idiosyncrasies based on Know what that is, and you know, then you also have your soldier guys, and so on and so forth. Details do make the devil. Yeah, yeah.
3: I uh, I think you mentioned something that kind of ties in very importantly in all of these things. It's the word why. Yeah. To always ask. If you come up with an idea for the character, for a quirk, or a trait, think. Okay, why do they have that? They have a goal or a motivation. Why do they have that? And even when you come up with your first idea, ask why again, keep going layers and layers deep, you know? Um, So that you can really find out what motivates the guy. Um, And I guess we're supposed to be talking specifically about flaws. Um, Flaws are kind of an interesting quirk because Some flaws can be turned into strengths by the end of the book. Um, A lot of the, uh, for example, um, I was having a friend across the street read my first novel and she says, you know, I really don't like this character now. I'm like, alright, good, excellent, you're not supposed to. identifying which quirks and which annoyances and which problems which characters will have um, can be kind of a tricky thing and that's more along the lines of what happened to them like for example this particular character i was talking about is short-tempered very quick to anger and frustration um and so we we'll figure out why that happens. And I have another character who's very timid. Why is it that
4: he is timid? We get it all
2: sorted out that way. I've heard that idea about asking the question why multiple times, and in particular five times, attributed to the uh, to uh, uh, factory management principles of Toyota from the 1980s. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I like it. Um, <laughs> So I think that the basic thing that puts a character, locates a character within the context of your story is what does that character want? And who who, who or what is going to stop them from getting it? Sometimes you realize you need a character because you have someone who is unobstacled, because you're thinking about your story. No one is stopping them, you know, there's no real reason why they can't just get what they want. And then then you're trying to find out, well who, the questions you're asking are questions like, well who, uh, who would who would want to prevent this? Who would get in person's way? Who has a, an, uh, a contrary interest? Uh, and what would make them an interesting foil or a counter to the person, uh, you know, to the primary character they're uh, they're reacting to? So those are the questions I start with. What do they want? Why why can they not have it? Why don't they have it already? What are the things they're going to do or they're willing to do to trying to get whatever it is? That's These, what speech, I think with the villain? It should be a questioning you about your protagonists, right? Uh, above all characters. You may not know the villain's motivation, but you should know why the point of view characters, at least, are doing what they're doing. What, what, is it? what do they want? Is it a relatable goal? Um, is it a believable goal?
5: Uh, why is it not automatic? I mean, I, I'm sorry. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, protagonists can be especially problematic, because we all know how to do a quirky sidekick, you know, you know, have a pretty asshole character over there, uh, and, you know, of course he's flawed, he's not your hero, but your hero, you want to be like, I, I want to protect this person and make him flawless, and so that's where it kind of gets to be a problem if you've got the, the sterling white protagonist and then you end up with a sidekick that everybody loves because the sidekick is actually more interesting. Um, one of the things, if, if that is a problem, you know, if, if you didn't have a fully formed idea with a character flaw that makes the story, then one of the ways to start is they, they say, you know, if every character has a goal a fear, or a goal a weakness and a fear. And the fear can be, you know, I don't want someone to, you don't have to act to write down. You know, my, my character's fear is that someone will find out that he went to bed until he was 14. But if you know that, it's going to influence how that character acts. This is a character is never going to let someone see him sleep. So, okay. that's a good place
1: to start. Alright, so I'm a little weird. Uh, I go real business on this. I got that's three levels of characters. Primary, secondary tertiary. Primary characters are my main point of view people. That's what the book is about. Those guys put a lot of thought in them. Like, what does this guy really want to do? It's all the stuff these guys just sit. That, that all that stuff is cool. And it's not really one of the right way to make characters, guys. As long as the character is fun and cool and the readers like to read them. And that includes your bastards, that includes your evil people, people. As long as the readers like to read them, you're good to go. Secondary characters, I don't put as much work into them. They would usually have some description, they will have some personality traits that I want to run with, and then tertiary characters, eh, that's guard number three, okay, that's the thug. That's guys who come on, they serve a purpose, and I might give some description, there might be some pertinent things, but I'm not going to get into that whole lot. Now that's what I'm planning, but as the book goes on, secondary characters, like, like we just talked about, like the, the guy that becomes way more interesting, uh, Secondary characters can become tertiary characters, or are they going to fight? So like, you can have a character who's just not that interesting, like he's important for one scene, I'll put a lot of work in him for one scene, but if he falls off, he doesn't matter anymore, that's fine, I'm going to put more work in him. Other characters, they come into a scene, they steal the scene because they're awesome, well that guy now is more important. I have had, uh, in fact I've written whole books uh, now about characters who started out as secondary characters. Uh, in a skin containing series. They were just so popular, and the readers liked them so much, and I like, you know, getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> more books to All right, so, uh, for audience here, for our, our intrepid panelists, when you guys do world-building, uh, like this is gonna be a chicken versus egg. What do you do first? Do you go world and then character, or do you go character and then world, or do you do both at the same time?
5: I... Yeah, I don't build the world until... I, I'm one of those people who, who builds the map as far as I need it. Uh, I, I build character and situation at the same time. Okay. And then the world is just, okay, what does this world need to be like for this situation to happen? Okay. But I'm not as successful as you, so...
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a at the same time. Um, one of the things that's really prevalent in Little RPG is the Power Creek. So I like to know what the end cap level is, because a lot of them like OP protagonists and they like being overpowered, so they want their, you know, in video games, I might admit, I might go level-wide and like just steamroll everything, it might be a quirk of mine, but that doesn't really work, so you can't have your protagonist just steamrolling everything, so I like to be able to build it, like, how far does this world go and how what is the end limit path so that I know they're not going to just always be signaling everything. There's going to be foils and things that will stop them and make them stumble because if you just signal
0: everything, it just becomes a kind of book. Yeah. I mean for me I'm a panzer, so I'm discovering both the character and the world as I'm writing it out. So there's a lot of times where I have, you know, I I'm writing, kind of this really cool idea and that's where I'm hoping it goes and then it doesn't go that way. Uh, you know, I have one character that I'm like, yeah, he really still at the scene and then he ends up dead. Both times I tried to write it. Uh, so you never know, but I, I really love that because the story is unfolding for me as well. Well, I started actually the world building
3: as a part of our role playing game system and creating a world that my sons and I could gain in and then began writing stories set in that world. So the world building for me came first and then I uh, was creating characters within that. Um, in some ways I think the various nations of this world and the various political factions became characters themselves as well with their own political styles, and laws as well. Kind of based
2: very much in their leaders. So the medieval Persian poet Al-Farabi wrote a work called The Conference of the Birds, which starts with a golden feather falling from heaven. And the birds all gather to try and analyze the feather, and decide what they have to do in light of this feather having fallen from heaven. And, and we're to understand this as an allegory for the revelation of Islam, right? And the birds of deciding what, what to do with it. But for me, it works pretty well for a metaphor for writing. So my experience is that, that writing a book begins with a feather from heaven, with one piece of inspiration. And that can be a lot of different things. And so the question of whether I start with character or, uh or World, it uh, depends on what The Feather From Heaven was. If The Feather From Heaven was the character, like, that's it, that's the given thing, and now I'm going to build up the world. What's the question? Like, What is, what is the world where this character is interesting and has an important story? But sometimes The Feather From Heaven is, is the setting, uh, and then I have to ask the questions the other way around. And I, I think that that's... By the way, I think that if you keep writing, that you get more feathers from Heaven. And I think if you stop writing and don't and wait for the next one, it doesn't come. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it depends. I think is what Nathan said. I just
1: gotta say, I get to work with Dave Butler. He's one of the smartest dudes I know. <laughs> yeah. And the rest is like, oh, well, I need <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Dave's yeah. like, the poet, so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave is yeah. well, probably
5: quoted in original languages. Yeah, and yes. he's, good. He, he really
1: good. Dave, Dave makes the rest of his kind of like, Oh,
5: guys write explosion forms, so... One thing I want to say about the primary and secondary characters, it works very well, and you really realize that when you see there's one author I know of that can make everybody a primary character and have it work. For most of us, that doesn't work. Uh, Justin Cronin wrote a novel called The Passage* and a couple of, of sequels to that, and you read that and you realize that's the only novel I've read i realized, every character is the hero of his own story. Which is probably all of our lives. I mean, we're, we're all the protagonists and everyone else is supporting characters. Yeah, just to clarify, when I
1: say that, that's like for me. Right, guess, right. As, as the guy, and, and, the guy and that works, works most of the time.
5: This this was the only time I've seen anyone actually pull that off, where every character was the primary character of his own story. Because everybody,
1: because everybody, guard number one, he doesn't want to die. Okay. Um, now, uh, on this world-building thing, guys, and, and character-building thing, there's different types of stories based on different types of things, and ideas come from different places. It's like they talk about the golden feather. Sometimes you're going to have the characters first, and then you build the world around them. Other times you're going to have the world first, and you're populate it. And the reason I ask that question is note that every single person up here does it a different way. There's no rules to writing, guys. Uh, if it works, it works. Period. And so before anybody tells you there's rules for writing which I said, just do what works for you and your audience, and it's great. Um, and also there's different types of stories. Some stories are character-based, and others are world-based. A good little test is think of a property, think of a, think of a TV show or a book. If the book is named after a person, it's a character-driven book, you know, or a character or, or long night, Luther, okay. They're all pretty cautious, but they're named after a, a person. Others are named after a thing, and they're going to be more about the thing, about the world, you know, uh, dude. You guys get what I'm saying? And so you can tell you know, which direction you're to take and there's no wrong answer. You can do awesome work both ways. Now, I did realize what we're doing this, um, uh, these panels are actually short. We're supposed to be here in about 45 minutes. So yes. we're almost halfway, so what I want to do is I know you guys probably have a bunch of questions to get aspiring writers. If you want to ask a question, come up here and to the microphone. Now, only I'm gonna give you guys some rules though. These are questions, not statements, not thesis. You don't have time for your pitch. <laughs> We're not gonna edit your book. Just come up and ask us a question and I will cut you off. So, come on up. Michael. Now, now come on, yeah, I use the microphone college rules of moderation. That is awesome. Alright, go
0: ahead. Okay, so you talked about how you get main characters that are flawless and you don't want to do anything to them. I'm kind of at that point, but I want to give my character flaws. He's Mm -hmm. very heroic, noble, but I don't want to go the, he's naive and doesn't really understand the world. We're giving him like. PTSD or anything like that work because I'm at a loss for what I I can give. My main character actually has that. You know, he he was in a traumatic uh, fire with his younger brother and his grandfather died. And so that traumatized him so much to the point that, you know, his younger brother and him went into the military. He's getting out and his younger brother decided to stay in. And that was a huge conflict for him because he has to guard the younger brother to prevent anything from happening to him. Now yeah,
5: and we're, not we're have all that. 10 of us answer. Right. but one, one thing I've used before is I took the character and said, okay, I'm going to take the character out, I'm going to put his younger brother in and see what the story does with him, because everyone knows younger brothers are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even Superman
1: and Batman have flaws. Yeah. It's just the, the angle you're going to come at it. You can do whatever you want. If you want to give a good PTSD, you have to do PTSD. Yeah. You can, you're the god of this universe. You can do whatever feel as long as it's entertaining to the reader, You can you can make that guy afraid of goldfish. It don't matter. You know, have fun. Uh, all right, so we're here's, gonna, here's a here's a quick suggestion too,
3: because right? I I love a good paradigm story. Sometimes, if you're looking and struggling to figure out what their particular flaw might be, is to make them too good. To the point where they start becoming, for example, self-righteous or or naively unaware of what really goes on in the world or any of a number of things by being too good and then that becomes a problem and they're no longer able to interact with the world. So you can take whatever they are and turn it up to 11 and that could be the problem yeah. Yeah. or one of the problems.
0: All right, thanks. How do you balance
3: giving a character flaws with making sure you don't go too far making them unsympathetic?
2: That's a good one. Well, a lot of flaws will make them sympathetic. depends on the flaw. If right? the flaw is that the person is an arrogant jerk, that's, that doesn't generate sympathy. But if the flaw is that he's diabetic, or the flaw is that he needs medication every 12 hours, or the flaw is that he suffers from a curse that his power, you know? yeah. or the flaw is that he has a highly restricted moral code. Right? Uh, those can all okay, Increase Here's
5: Here's an example from the second season of Stranger Things, because I in the second season, right? <laughs> Billy, the character you hate, 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 until you see him interact with his dad and you realize he's a victim of abuse, okay? You still don't like him, but you don't hate him anymore. You understand. So, Maybe you know, 300, 300. Give, give everyone a reason. I mean, I hate to say everyone's a victim. Everyone's not just a victim. But in some way, you are even a little bit of yourself. So, you know, pull out what 5% of this person is a victim. Well, sometimes they're just an, an asshole, asshole, and you want to be the
4: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I yeah. Or make a victim a survivor instead. Thank you very much.
2: Everybody's a victim as a proclaimer song.
4: I was wondering how you use Laws
0: to drive your villain into creating a problem. I always get stuck on the villain. But um, I'm oh, do. it's good stuff. Uh, writing villains is
1: like one of the funnest things about our job. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I love. I, 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 I've done whole panels by myself about writing villains. Uh, the sky is the limit on that man. You can go nuts. Villain motivations are just as varied as your motivations, and keep in mind the villain doesn't think of himself as the villain. No one thinks he's human. Yeah. Okay. The worst scumbags ever uh, in the history of the world thought they were doing the righteous thing. And you can have a lot of fun with
0: that. I mean, even look at Anakin Skywalker falling to Darth Vader. You know, he was trying to save his wife, and you know, he did all these and his mom and all these really crappy things, and he still thought he was doing the right thing. I mean that's a great example. And there's tons
5: of other villains out there in media that you can look at and study. And also remember that your villain is not necessarily your antagonist. Yeah. The villain is a big bad force, but the antagonist is the one that actually stymies the protagonist, sometimes out of the best motives, getting away. Yeah.
4: And honestly, a villain can't just be someone, it's not necessarily, it's a matter of perspective. A villain can be like, if someone and I were going for the same job and they got the promotion and I didn't, they're the villain in my story, but that doesn't make them a bad person, that makes just, they got the job. So, it could be
1: anything. Yeah, it depends wildly on the type of book you're writing, and honestly, it, 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 it's, it's, the sky is the limit on this, man. Think about your favorite villains you've ever seen, and why they're awesome, And you're going to come up with a long list of villains that have entirely different motivations, yet they're cool and different reasons. Uh, Hans Gruber, okay, Uh, is one of the greatest villains of all time. And he's just robbing the place. And in fact, it's even a plot point. Like, all this is just a robbery? You're just a thief? You're you're just a thief? he's like, (laughs) I am not (laughs) come. (laughs) You (laughs) know, one of the greatest villains ever, right? Okay. Well, I mean, look at uh, Harry Potter. Umbridge, I think, is more of a villain
4: than Voldemort
2: is in that He's the villain everyone sees with their everyday life, and
4: that's yeah. why it's scarier, because everyone has an umbridge in their
2: life. Yeah. I consider the possibility that it's the villain's virtues that makes him do what he does. But it's a lack of it's a desire for justice, but no sense of uh, mercy or uh, no sense of proportion, or it's a desire for compassion, but no sense of restraint. The operative on Syringe was that?
1: And a great bad guy. I the the saving, so saving the universe why? saving resources. Yeah. So. Just, Just ask why, <laughs> over and over again. All right, next one. We're gonna see. I like most comic con panels. We're gonna answer one or two questions, guys. <laughs> 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 yet, so. All right. So, in regards to characters, what unique resources for research have you found that have helped you in your writing? Family.
0: Schools? I mean,
5: yeah, honestly... you go and throw them in? Because, you know, you're... you're you've are got no flaws, but your little brother or your sister or your um, weird uncle who comes stung a lot to Thanksgiving, you know. You, you can see them up close. You can see the flaws that their co-workers don't see. throw so, a family member in there. Just change the name.
1: You know, honestly, don't, don't be afraid to steal from real life. Uh, don't be afraid to actually you can steal characters from other movies, especially or other movies and TV shows and books, uh, especially if you change every single thing about them. You know, if you have like, the personality and the psychology of a particular character in mind, they, it would be great You know, a sci-fi thing that you want to put into your thriller or your fantasy novel or your romance. By all means, do that. There's a reason actors uh, become known as character actors because they play the same type of person in every role, and they get lots of work because of that same type of character peers and lots of things. Everything that's out there, every entertainment product in the world is a resource to you if you are willing to learn for it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah? Also don't mm-hmm.
3: neglect yourself as a source as well. Um, I'm getting personal here. I look at all of the I kind of tend Myself to write, as a villain. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <but> I kind of yes. I tend to write ensemble casts and as I look at each one of those characters, I see a lot of myself in each one, even though they are very different characters. And I remember my wife was asking me about one of these characters, and I was describing his frustrations and his self-doubt and his confusion in life and goes, Who do I know that that's like? That not yeah. no. <laughs> There's
0: nothing of us in those books. No. <laughs> I may mean, or may not be like him.
4: Okay, so for those who are the writers, um, how do you fill up plot holes between like how certain characters will interact with each other, whether it's the first and secondary or like the main people and like the villains? Like, if you're finding like plot holes and like how to drive the story forward, how do you where do, do, do you like pull the inspiration to like come up with? How so, each character interacts. So what do you mean
2: by plot what Are you saying like in order to advance the plot, you want to use the characters to do something that doesn't follow from the characters?
4: Kind of, yeah.
5: Okay. Change the character. You <laughs> do that. That's I mean, you, you, you write the story and you love the first draft. But then if it's not the work you've got the willing to say, okay, I'm gonna take this cowboy and make him an albino escaped slave woman or whatever it is. And just change the character, like, sorry, Cowboy, I'll put you back in the drawer, and maybe I'll use you some other time. But feel willing to just change the characters around and
1: just, you know, walk well, off me, things. Let me at let me this from a different angle. Um, I want to pick on Last Jedi, okay? I kind of hate that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because when you use a character what, what what comes to my mind is characters doing things that are out of character in order to force the plot to proceed. Okay, this is common in bad writing. That's where you put a situation where you need to force your characters to go to a new place to have a new adventure, whatever, and they it requires them to do something that doesn't make sense. That would be like you are in your spaceships running away from the bad guys, and you need to send a message, so you send two people off to casino planet. And in order for them to send a message for them, I don't know, and, and then they, they cause more trouble. They just double park their spaceship. None of this makes any sense, right? None of those, because when you see character plot, wow, these are people who are like, rebel Uh, you know, who are freedom fighters. Why are they doing stupid, pointless crap like that to cause more trouble? That's bad, lazy writing. That's character plotless. So, what you need to do is you need to look at that situation say, I need to get my characters into trouble. I need to get my characters in here. You can have them do it stupid, which horror movie writing. We refer to as, I'm going to go into the dark basement. After 15 people have been murdered, let's go in the woods and have sex and smoke pot. Maybe That's right, do like it's a Or people don't know the genre and it's really makes sense to you Yeah, so change it so that a no logical
0: reason that fits that character's motivation. Take them to that point. I'm still trying to figure out how those ships weigh so much that they move slowly. Dude, I
1: I I literally do a six hour panel on how stupid that movie
2: is. (laughs) So I have three quick thoughts. Um, First thought is cool hair. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, The second thought is, uh, you know, the more people, don't have, they're not driven by a single motivation. They're complex. So the more, more motivations your characters have, the more ability you have for them to exercise freedom of choice and not just respond mechanically, right, just choosing among things that they want, okay? Kind of on that point, there's a book called On Writing in General and the short story in particular, and the author's name is Rusty, something I forget what. Um, but one of the comments he makes is, hey, if you look at yourself as a person, you don't know what why you're doing some of the things that don't And and so really a fully realized character shouldn't be entirely predictable. You should do some things that maybe the reader can assign motives to or guess about and should feel right, but not necessarily uh, follow mechanically from some list of character points.
0: Well, and for me, sometimes plot holes are there. You can capitalize on. I mean, my first book, there was a big plot that someone mentioned on uh, one of the reviews, and I did something with that in the second book and revealed why that wasn't in there because that was part of the, the plot for the next book. So sometimes you can do that and you take that to your advantage. Yeah,
1: yeah. Plot holes. Plot are one of those things that exist when we screw them up. You know, and but like uh, Daniel just said, sometimes you screw up. The beauty of being writers is we can pretend we meant to do that all along. Yeah. Awesome. We have a secret plot, and ooh, we, aha, we told you. No, it's the beauty of the word processing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. Thank you.
5: Hello. Um, so I'm here more um, trying to get ideas about how to make characters for like, my TTRPG games and stuff. And I wanted to ask if you had any. Um, suggestions on how to approach creating characters, and not just secondary or tertiary characters, but main characters with um, either mental or physical disabilities of varying um, severity. So
1: I think just one point of clarification? Are you talking about are you writing for games for other people? Or are you this your personal gaming? This is my personal gaming, but also I'm trying to think of um,
5: like. Characters that I can play in
3: PD or too. Okay, oh, well, I just want to make sure we're that. So a question question question. Two, are these to be player characters that you're going to play, or are they NPCs that you're going to be as a game master? Uh, so, both actually. Okay. I do like the idea of doing both of those. Well, speaking as a father of a person with a physical disability, and I've talked to him quite a bit about this, one thing you want to be really cautious about is especially in fantasy or sci-fi, is to not... Well, there's two things that you definitely want to avoid. Um, One is to not make a magical power that completely overcomes the disability to the point where it's balanced, right? So, if, if you're going to have a disability, then have it. And, yeah, there could be other things that help that character cope, but if they all fix the disability, then it really doesn't have a disability. Yeah. Um, the other is to, he uses Toph as the best example. Uh, Toph in Avatar, which is, of course, the holy grail and all that is good and holy and right. <laughs> <that's good. clears throat> yeah. But anyway, Toph is, A character first who has a disability and often there's ways that throughout the writing that they reference her disability and and but she is a character and a person and then the disability adds to that person rather than oh well she's a blind girl
0: Right? So don't
3: make
0: the disability yeah. like the heavy. defining yeah. feature of that. I mean, there's a great book written by a Aria called The Highwayman, and the main character has a severe disability to the point he can barely walk, barely fumble. There's a gemstone and he puts it on his head. He's completely normal. But he has to keep that on there. And several times where he's fighting it gets knocked off, and he's back to, you know, what they call the stork where he's just fumbling around. But when he has that, it's an amazing swordsman. Um, so that's a really good thing to kind of look at that and read through that. But he doesn't steal away from that disability. Um, and the character is constantly uh, doubting himself and stuff like that because what happens if that gets knocked away in the middle of a fight trying to protect someone. Uh, so I would suggest that to kind of read through and kind of get some ideas from him. Okay. I would
4: also suggest that with physical abilities, magical healing can be a lot of that. So there, there's a point where that becomes a physical ability is something that can be healed. And although not, not everything can be healthy. So, I have a lot of disease. That doesn't necessarily show, you would think I'm, like, I'm fairly normal, but it affects every day of my life. It affects how much energy I have. It affects how much I can sleep. It affects you know all of my various hormone levels. And so it affects what I can eat. All of those things are little things that add up, but may not be readily apparent at the outset.
2: Shouldn't you ask the question, question, what will make this character fun to play? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, thank you. Cool. Yeah. Hi, how you doing? Yes. So, uh, I have a character that I've come attached to, but he has this big, big villain energy. But, I'm attached to him, so I want him to be a main character, so I was wondering, how do y'all get to a point where y'all know y'all play the characters where they need to be instead of what you want them to what, what You we want them to play? This a story. Huh? You're
1: writing a novel. No, i just write like flash fiction. No, okay. Okay. Alright, so uh, I'll jump in on this one. Alright, first off, uh don't get hung about the whole you thing? It's like you're the boss. So if you want that character to do a certain thing, you tell them what to do. If they're not doing what you want them to do, there's probably a reason. It's probably like your subconscious is telling you, you set this up where the way you want him to go doesn't make sense for him. And that's, a lot of times if you step away from the fiction for a little while and then come back and read it with fresh eyes, you'll see, it'll jump out to you what you're doing, what, what you set up that's making this, that doesn't work. Because usually what it is is we don't realize it because we're too close to the manuscript. Like, so, this guy's got big bill and energy. And you probably put something in his character that begging you to exploit that. And if you don't want to exploit that, you're the boss. Go back and figure out what that is and take that out. Or maybe look at where you're going and say, maybe my original plan was wrong and this guy's got big bill and energy, and it's awesome. And maybe you should exploit that. And It's it's going back to the whole outline versus discovery thing. Sometimes you outline, and as you are writing, you come up with something more awesome than the outline, change the outline. Also remember, heist stories are a big thing. Having a villain who's your
5: protagonist can be cool. So, you know, as long as you don't make a reprehensible character that everyone will hate and wishes you would kill off, you can have fun with a villain main character and, you know, there's a lot of wish fulfillment in high in school, Plus, the, the struggle, if he's starting
3: to go villainous, well, explore that, you know? Maybe he's, that's part of his inner conflict. Am I a good guy or a bad guy? What does it mean to be a good guy or a bad guy?
2: You can explore all that stuff.
0: I mean, look the Lex Luthor. He thinks he's the hero in the story. And he's going big.
2: Yeah. So sometimes we, we want a hero with big villain energy when there is a bigger villain. Right, rather than losing outlaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the law actually is the villain in that story. Yep. Batman doesn't kill his villains, but if he did, maybe the city would be safer because they
4: would stop breaking out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, at what point does, like, justice and, and choosing that, you know, those are interesting points where the villain is actually sometimes more interesting,
1: and just go with it. So we're, we're about out of time, so what we're gonna do is we're going to just be thinking, or do you speed run? So, are you gonna ask these people with questions? I'll oh, just do one or two of us answer, and let's just hit, boom, boom, give these guys some knowledge of it. I'm going to be timing you. Go so. for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my question is,
4: at one point, <clears throat> excuse me, do you have um, a character like in the past when you've been writing, and you have a character who actually overcomes their flaws? Um, when do you choose to do that versus? They, they just don't overcome their flaws. five paragraphs to
5: you type in the end. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they died. <laughs> before they die.
4: Cool.
1: It just depends. Yeah. It could be it could, it could be it depends on the story. Sometimes you don't resolve it. There is no resolution of that.
4: I get I I guess really my question is when you as a writer are getting to that point, what has what has made the difference for you in whether you decide they're going to overcome their flaws or they're not? Well, I mean, generally for me, it's like when the story is coming to an end. Because at that if, point, if that was it's a new character part at that point. They, they succeed
1: the <laughs> <people laughs> with their flaws. Sorry, right, what? They with, succeed with
4: you?
2: their flaws. That's oh. it. They pull bully up. Cool. So, I was hoping that you get, like, maybe an actual number on this. What do you find is... Seven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the balancing out those 42. 42. Flaws and uh, talents. How many flaws can I give somebody before it's just too much? How do I balance that out? What's like a good okay, number to but, have? But like? but
5: the thing is, if you count them like that, I mean, you know, uh, character A, he's a deadweight. Character B, he's almost at a maniac. Do I remember, like, a parody there? You, you know, make it
4: it's, it's so not such a real person. Yeah, and it's not so much a number thing as, as how much to dominate their lives. Right, and it's not like groups or is it groups. It's more so for... Or like writing?
2: Yeah, for uh, writing. So the problem is there's a the man ambiguity in what a flaw is, right? Like, uh... Let's go with major flaws, that's what I'm you thinking like of. Protagonists, protagonist? I've got something huge. I'm, what, uh, what was it that was said, like uh, very short temper. That's
1: a major thing for me. What's a balance for that? If I have more than just that as a flaw, what would be a balance for that? And what well,
0: is just too much on both sides? Well, I mean, look at Batman. He's got major anger issues. But when he's Bruce Wayne, he's very lovable and likable. So, I mean, that, that's
2: kind of a foil and a balance on, on him. I think it's driven by the story. Like, at a certain point, you just want to go on. You want a fairly restricted number, think, for the purpose of not being chasing multiple different subplots, right? Okay. Bug White has anger management, but he protects women, right? Done. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think those are good answers. I, I, I can expand on those for a while as a guy with a lot of character flaws, <laughs> but I try to use them for good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 limited time, but yeah, I think I think what these guys said is that's really important. Don't okay. think of it too much as, a, and I'm saying this as a former accountant, don't think of it too much as a number. Think of it as like a human being as a whole. It's hard to, like role playing games, you can compress everything down to numbers and give it a score. My anger management is uh, minus three, okay? Right. Um, but when you think of a human being, it's a big clump of stuff, and it's emotions, and, and it's, it's mushy. You can't really put numbers on a lot of that, so when you write and think of a character as like a living breathing human being, and how they balance that stuff and how they function. You want to be the same person people Okay. And so much for my, my speed round thing. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> Got that? Go. Go for it. How do you keep your flaws
5: from overtaking the character more often? Plot and still keep plotting forward. <laughs> sometimes
3: you can let them overtake them, and let them just go and completely melt down, and then they have to pick themselves back up. And sometimes that's what they needed to do to overcome a block. Yeah. Sometimes the thing you usually need to do is like a second draft. And say, <laughs> okay, okay, only blind in one eye. That's <laughs> Thank you. So, really quick,
5: let mean, this
4: is
0: quick, but. Any tips on how to handle a character acquiring a disability, like mid-plot, that might you know undermine one of the things they consider their strengths as a result of that decision? Any suggestions on how to have that? So for example, you might have a character who thinks of themselves as an action hero, but then they are, for example, put in a wheelchair or some other disability, they have to deal with for the rest of the story.
1: That definitely sounds like mid yeah, that's yeah. actually that's a lot. That's actually, that's actually goes back to your characters. You need characters to try and do Fail you need characters to, to, to fail big and learn from it and overcome it. Yeah, uh, and this is the, honestly, you know, the trick. Honestly, to think of every movie you ever watch is a sports movie, <laughs> where they go and they try and they fail. There's some sort of setback, something, whatever happens, then they fight through a montage. Yeah. So you're asking about is the scene before they come to terms with it, okay? But you see, but, but all the characters, it could be a physical thing, it could be a mental thing, it could just be they screwed up, you know, in uh, the green talk shows when they shoot the wrong dude, right? Or their wife gets murdered, you know, or whatever it is. Or they to save the person. Yeah. yeah. And so it could be anything, but but that's honestly, it's part of all character uh, in, in fiction. You've got to make them fail, you've got to hurt them, you got to see them, and you've got to make them work to overcome. Yeah. Thanks. Alright, last one. We're going to do it! We're yes. going to do it! It's never happened at Comic-Con before! <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, follow-up to case, but like, how do you have your characters, like, how do
0: they overcome the their, their flaws throughout the story? Like, whether that's anger issues, or trying to open up to people better, or whatever it is, like, how do you help them overcome that throughout the story? you can take a shot at them?
1: That's... <laughs> Writing the <laughs> novel, I don't know. <laughs> 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 exactly. really is that's a story. Story. Yeah. that's story. the whole. That's the story you're coming. Um, and that's just kind of an organic thing. Um, okay, so you know, think of any character. Think of your favorite movie. What's your? What, what do you love? What? What's your? I'll put you on the spot for a second. Well, movie just, it Just doesn't have to be your favorite. What's a movie you really like? Uh, she's wearing Harry Potter. Oh, all right, Harry Potter. Yes. Okay. So, We're in front of that for a second. Very high, sure. <laughs> does, does Harry have flaws in the series? Yeah, a lot of people nodding their heads yes. Yes. Does he overcome those flaws as the series goes on? Yes. yes. Does yes. he overcome yes. All, yes. all of them?
4: <laughs> no.
1: Okay, but, the thing think, but once you go through and once you to like pick up books that you like to read and look at the pride and fatal cycle that that character goes through in that novel that you like and what they had to do in that. That next that's the story. And they're all different. There's not really one right answer to that, because there's a million different ways you can tackle this. Okay. Cool. Thank Great. you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for Hey, guys, I want to let real fast plug your stuff, guys. Hurry. Uh,
2: I've written some books. Here are some examples. <laughs> uh, David in Booth 2377. Correct. Yeah. For an hour. Yeah, for
3: another hour. Uh, booth
0: two one seven uh the Tale is our game, uh, Table of Heroes is my novels set in the game. Alright, you can find my novels uh, at DragonSpace.com or on Amazon and stuff like that, or you can check out the podcast Dungeon Brothers Radio. We talk uh, to authors, Ray, Dave, everyone's been on there. Well, almost, but we'll get there. Yeah, i also be in 22.77 for an hour, and all my stuff is on Kindle Film Limited,
4: Audible,
5: uh, I'm in Artist Alley
1: on the Ogden. I'm A1221 with lots of really cool b posters. If you're interested in more writing advice, I run a writing advice podcast called Writer Dojo. It's me and Steve diamonds on Spotify. Check us out. I'm in room 23772. Thank you guys very much for coming. Thank you. Okay, uh, Remember, the force will be with you always. <laughs>